0: a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
1: When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, yeah, our
0: roster looks great on paper. Whoopty hell. Whoopty hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a, be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Time of the year. Get your sore ass up! Get your sore ass up! Doing a lot of talking with somebody ain't doing s*** today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you this think you're resume. better
1: than Jarrell Revis is right now? Is I'm better right than, now. than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you.
0: Dang, dang. Coming on I ain't 36. I ain't never seen you before. Hopped. Back up, Ted, coach. You need some help. We gonna expose you, boy. Right, we come at your ass. Welcome to the fantasy football roundtable. roundtable. Let's go! Let's go! What's going on ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Proud members of Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me, Matt Bruning, your host for today, at MB on Twitter. You can find my co-host, Mr. Matthew Fox, at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. As I mentioned, we are part of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. We've got a ton of other great podcasts associated with us, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Park. And Dr. Roto from Sirius XM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others. You one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. You can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com. You're, just check it out. It is definitely worth it. Again, a ton of great podcasts for all of your fantasy advice. We at the Roundtable are also proud to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the best stats in the industry when it comes to college football, baseball, and NFL basketball stats. Are joining them as well? I'm telling you, college football stats—some of the hardest to find and some of the hardest to uh, just get a hold of and look at and help you and analyze prospects like I do. If you follow me on Twitter and you see a lot of the stuff that I post, all of my stats come from them. Just $15 for a year membership with them, and if you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you will get 10% off of that. If you want to look more into the analytics side of fantasy football and better value on prospects and and, and assessing them and what you think they could do in the NFL, check them out. It is well worth it. Again, just $15 for an entire year, and if you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you will get 10% off of that. The best deal in the industry, no doubt about it. Today, me and Matt will be going over seven of the games from week 11, as we usually do. I just want to give everybody a heads up now. I'm still trying to get over the flu that I had the last week. So if you hear me coughing, I do really apologize about that. But my throat and my cough has just been killing me in the past couple days. Cannot get over it, But we definitely wanted to jump in and do the podcast. So I apologize ahead of time for the coughing. Let's bring Matt in and let's talk about some football. <laughs> And as always, on Mondays, we've got Mr. Matthew Fox with us. Matt, how was your weekend and how are you doing today?
1: Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, my weekend was pretty good until uh, I decided to watch Denver's game.
0: <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that bad, right? They, they were in it for the most part. I see all the, the stuff about Kirk Cousins and, and the Vikings coming with that epic comeback. I mean, Denver had it in the bag, right?
1: The first half was good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it The is second a...
1: half uh, felt a lot like Mason Rudolph did when Miles Garrett hit him with the helmet. Oh,
0: nice. Nice plug there, buddy. We'll definitely have to talk about that on Thursday, obviously, with Tony. I know, uh, obviously, that happened after uh, we recorded. I'm sure uh, we were all kind of talking about it in the chat. It can be something we can definitely discuss a little bit on Thursday. We shouldn't know. I would think by Thursday, know if any of their uh, – appeals helped at all. I can't imagine Miles Garrett. I know he, his appeal, I think, is yeah. Wednesday. I can't imagine his gets reduced. I'm interested to see if Joby or Pouncey get anything reduced in theirs. I think theirs are tomorrow. So, we'll definitely be interesting. I mean, I, we'll, we'll, I'll save the, the good content for Thursday. I think it'll be an interesting discussion between the three of us. Uh, let's see here. You were mentioning the Broncos. They are on the docket for today. We're going to break down seven of the games that we saw on Sunday. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your pop on red? I came out the
1: wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable
0: touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head they can't jump with me die only tackle the portfolio who can make a play i can who can make a play i can the first game that we are going to touch on is a a game i honestly did not see going the way it did in the falcons beating the panthers 29 to 3 On the Falcons' side here, Matt Ryan goes 21 of 31, 311 yards and one touchdown to come in at QB 15 with 16.4 points. Quadri Allison, although mostly because he vultured Brian Hill, comes out as the best running back in this one. Uh, Just 11 yards on four carries, but does get the touchdown to come in at RB 36 with 6.1 points. Calvin Ridley, hopefully you listened to the podcast on Friday. I said I thought with Hooper being out that uh, he would have a ton of work in this one, especially if Bradbury was on Jones. Calvin Ridley gets 143 yards on all eight of his targets. Uh, he catches all eight of them and gets a touchdown. Comes in at wide receiver three with 24 points. Julio still has a good day for you as well, though. Wide receiver 18 with 11.7 points in this one. 91 yards on six catches. So... Really, I think if you're a Falcons fan, uh, they continue to lose by winning here, as you would probably want them to get a higher draft pick, but much like the Miami Dolphins, they are running off some wins here late in the season. Uh, might actually be saving Dan Quinn's job with some of this. The defense has really looked a lot better here after the bye week, which is, which is pretty amazing. But what about the backfield? We know that Devonta Freeman is likely out there saying for a couple more weeks. Brian Hill did get most of the work, did obviously get vultured by Allison, had a touchdown called back due to holding. Are you interested in either one of these guys? Allison Hill, would you rather just fade both of them as we're getting even closer to our fantasy playoffs?
1: Yeah, I don't think I'm really interested in any of them. What was helping, uh, Freeman was the passing work he was getting. We've noted for a couple of weeks he was not really efficient as a runner. Right. Um, they play Tampa Bay next week. Tampa Bay has a horrific pass defense, but they're actually not too bad against the run. Then they have Thanksgiving night against the Saints, and then they're against the Panthers again, and then the 49ers. I don't think it's exactly a wonderful schedule for, for rushing, and Atlanta seems to have a much better pass offense than a rushing offense. I mean, uh, Devonta Freeman only has 371 yards rushing on the season. So it's not like they were getting a lot of high volume. He was just a big part of the passing game. And from what we saw, it doesn't seem like that's going to translate for Brian Hill. So 15 carries for 30 yards is not great, but that's not that much worse than what they were getting from Freeman on the ground because they don't have a very good offensive line and they're playing some tough uh, defensive fronts but if you're not really getting, you know, you have three targets, only caught
0: one for eight
1: if he's not really going to be a part of the passing game, I don't think it's going to have enough value for you
0: yeah, I'm with you. And in all honesty, with that schedule coming up, I'm not even sure I'd buy. I mean, we've both kind of, uh, been talking about Devonta Freeman was a sell high for a long time. I don't even know if I'd buy into him. Cause again, as you mentioned, most of his, uh, fantasy relevancy has come from being in the passing game. I honestly do not like that schedule moving forward. Uh, on the Panthers side, what a horrific day for Kyle Allen. 31 of 50, 325 yards. And four interceptions. Christian McCaffrey, oh, I mean, uh, so Kylon comes in QB 22 with nine points. Christian McCaffrey still finds a way uh, to be the best back in the NFL despite that. 70 yards on 14 carries and adds 121 yards on 11 catches. To come in as a uh, running back one with 24.6 points and then DJ Moore uh, comes through for you in fantasy as well. Wide receiver 13 with 13.5 points in this one. 95 yards on eight catches. Curtis Samuel just 25 yards on four catches. Uh, I really think with, with Carolina we've gotten to the point where we've talked about where it's really just CMC and then Moore as a low end wide receiver two or flex play every single week with Kyle Allen. But to be honest though I was I was very high on Kyle Allen after a couple games there when he played and a lot of the talk about Cam Newton moving on it really seems like it's moving toward Cam Newton leaving but after what we've seen out of Kyle Allen the first these last couple weeks is he the future in Carolina I know you have not been that high on him do you think it would be a mistake for the Panthers uh, to stick with Kyle Allen and let Cam Newton walk
1: yeah, I think if that's the total plan, that that is going to bear out to be a mistake. The problem for Carolina is they've been just good enough that they they wouldn't really get a high draft pick, and a lot of the the quarterback situation in the draft is now in flux with what happened with Tua Tagovailoa. Oh yeah, uh, you know it could it possibly could remove one of the high options from the draft. A lot of talk about. You know, would a team be willing to draft him and let him redshirt a year because he might not be ready? Will he just go back to Alabama for another year and then come out? Is he going to be a viable NFL prospect at all? You know, that throws a little of the the high end. We just don't know. It's too early, and we won't know for a few months. But then you have a team like Carolina, who up until the last two weeks, when when we've really seen that that Kyle Allen, I think, is a really nice quarterback to have as a backup option. I don't yeah. know if I, if anything we saw, even when he was winning games, indicated that he was a good franchise quarterback option. And now it almost feels like knowing that Cam Newton's not coming back this season, maybe not ever, you feel like Kyle Allen's now feeling that pressure of, can I show them that I can be a long-term starter? And it's just kind of wilting. And Atlanta is a weird case too because you know going into the season i thought they would be the playoff contender behind the saints in that division and you know they were just god awful in all phases of football they went away on bye and it's like they all had their bodies replaced yeah. with with something else cuz now they're just dominating in all three phases in two big road games against division opponents so you know part of it could be the the major improvements for atlanta but part of it is I think we've seen now Kyle Allen is a great guy if you need to call somebody up and you need like what we saw with Teddy Bridgewater for the Saints right. I feel like Kyle Allen might be in that in that vein. I might actually take Bridgewater over Allen if I had to have one to start a team, and I think that's the the free agent market isn't great. For finding a great franchise quarterback, trust me as a Denver fan, I can tell you the free agent, the free agent market, is a real crapshoot. Carolina, uh, unless they complete, even if they completely bottom out, I don't know how high they can get up to draft somebody. And I still think Cam Newton, if you could get some kind of reasonable assurance he was coming back healthy, we've seen him be an NFL MVP. I yeah. don't think we've ever seen anything from Kyle Allen that makes us think he he has all the tools to become an NFL MVP. Yeah,
0: I agree with that. Could be a
1: 2018 Mitch Trubisky? Sure.
0: Yeah, I agree with the MVP part. Um, you know, for me, it's just he looked poised at times now again maybe some of that was nobody had really any tape on him and they were using Christian McCaffrey a whole lot more not that they're they're still using him a ton obviously uh, but a lot of my love for Kyle Allen also came from watching other people talk about him when when i've seen other quarterbacks talk about him on the NFL network or ESPN uh they were saying that some of the throws he is, was making were like pros pro throws like it was throws that were fitting in really tight windows that not a lot of quarterbacks can make and so you know, maybe some of that was fool's gold with him. I, I, obviously, they're going to play him out the rest of the season with Cam Newton not coming back. Who knows? Maybe if he continues to struggle down the stretch, those rumors of Cam Newton being moved uh, start to dissipate a little bit more and they to decide to stick with Cam, I think – uh I know he will be, if he stays with Carolina next year, will be on one of the cheapest QB contracts in the league right now outside of the guys who've been drafted in the past couple years because of of the rookie system. Uh, But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. Um, Go ahead.
1: Here's a a question for you, though. If Carolina, it looks like they're about to track themselves out of the NFC playoffs, which you're going to have to at least, I think, 10 wins, probably 11 wins to get in based on the way we've seen. If they track themselves out with a couple games left, you know, people forget this is a team that drafted Will Greer, who yeah. was a decent prospect, uh, fairly decently up. Would we see him? You know, would Carolina want to see what does Will Greer look like? What are all
0: of our options? I
1: think that's something that would be interesting to see as well.
0: I would love if they threw him out there. He was one of the guys that I really liked coming out last year. Again, he was someone that was, uh, was fairly raw. He was not running any kind of pro style uh offense in college. So he is definitely someone I would love to see, just like you know, we've talked about obviously with with your team and the Broncos uh getting Drew Locke out there. Let's see what we've got out of him kind of thing, right? So I'm with you. I'd love to see Gurr out there, especially um with the way Kyle Allen has performed the past couple weeks. If you are kind of getting on that part where you're like, you know what, Kyle Allen may not be the future I don't see why you wouldn't throw Will Grew out there for a couple weeks and see, especially if, once they do fall because I'm with you. Uh, obviously, with losing the past couple games, they've really hurt their chances of making it into the uh, the playoffs, especially in the NFC. If it was the AFC, it would be a different question right now, but NFC is just so top-heavy right now. It's going to be hard for them to get in. Uh, speaking of uh, a team that is in the, definitely the playoff hunt in the NFC, the Dallas Cowboys get another big win. Uh, Sunday against the Detroit Lions, winning 35-27. Dak Prescott is moving himself into MVP conversations here, uh, which is interesting because I don't think you were on the pod with us, but I did talk about how I thought Amari Cooper might have a really good year if Dak Prescott gets in the MVP considerations. And, huh, well, would you look at that? He has done it. The team is definitely being run through Dak, not Zeke, which we all kind of thought was going to happen, especially after they paid Zeke. Dak goes 29-46, 444 yards and three touchdowns that to come in as QB4 with 31.6 points. Zeke comes in at RB4 with 19.3 points in this one, just 45 yards on 16 carries and a touchdown, but does add two catches for 28 yards and a touchdown as well. Tony Pollard comes in at RB 11, gets a touchdown in the receiving game in this one, uh four catches 44 yards and a touchdown. Amari um, nope, sorry. Amari Cooper wasn't wide receiver 1 for them. It was Randall Cobb who comes in at wide receiver 6 with 19.5 points, 115 yards and a touchdown on four catches. So then Amari Oh wait, no. Amari Cooper wasn't the second best wide receiver either. That was Michael Gallup, 148 yards on nine catches to come in at 19.3 points. I'm just uh just get kidding for all of you Amari Cooper lovers out there. We talked about it on Friday. I think me and you actually talked about it a couple times. He's got a tough stretch here these next couple weeks. I honestly thought he'd do a little bit better than five points uh, this week, but Darius Slay is one of the best, and, and it's not going to get any easier with him going up against Stefan Gilmore this week. So I would say expect another bad week out of Amari Cooper this week, but it should uh, lighten up for him moving forward, especially when they get the Eagles here late in the season. Outside of that, I, I don't really know there's anything really to talk about fantasy-wise here. I know a lot of people are talking about Tony Pollard, Zeke. I don't think Tony Pollard's going to get any more run over Zeke. Uh, so I guess my questions to you will be, do you think that changes with, with Tony Pollard looking good Yes, uh, in the game yesterday against the Lions? Do you think he gets more run over Zeke, or do you think it's just Zeke, 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 Zeke the rest of the season?
1: I wouldn't say I think he's going to get more run over Ezekiel Elliott. I think... Um, they're probably also, you know, Dallas is playing the long game, wants to be in the playoffs. They don't want to grind Ezekiel Elliott into the ground and risk injury. So, you know, where you think you have – uh, some ability against uh, some teams where it won't make a difference. You're probably going to put a guy out there a little bit and get a little bit of work. I mean, we saw the Ravens even yesterday pull all their guys back when they got up and put some people in. If you think you're going to be a playoff team, and Dallas is always playing for the playoffs, you, yeah. you want to preserve those guys and not destroy anyone. And, you know, I think you we, we have talked about Cooper and some of the matchups. The best thing that could have happened to him yesterday is probably seeing what Gallup and Cobb did because that's going to influence, I think, when they're going through. It's not Dallas has showed yesterday that they're not a team that you can just suffocate their top receiver like you know what we saw Pittsburgh do to the Rams, where right. they took Cooper Cup away and that offense seemed lost. Detroit, you know, obviously Matt Patricia, a guy who worked with Bill Belichick for a long time and learned a lot from him. Seem to be making a concerted effort to make sure that Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott weren't going to beat them. And Dallas said, fine, we have other people. I think that's a lesson to other teams that, A, you can just take those guys away, but that doesn't mean you're going to be successful. And I think that's yeah. something we will have to see going through. Sometimes the best thing for one of those receivers who's going to get those blanket coverages is having – somebody on the other side or out in the passing game become a threat because then the defense has to adjust what they want to
0: do. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I mean, no, I, I've said all season, it was part of my, my reasoning and why I did not think of Mark Cooper would be a top 10 wide receiver. Again, a lot of people, I, I joke in, in my hate towards him because uh, he does drop balls and a lot of people don't want to admit that, but uh, other wide receivers do. I'm not trying to say that he's got the worst hands in the NFL, but my my always my contention with him this year was I did not think Dak Prescott would have an MVP season. So check mark for that. He is having an MVP season, so I got that part wrong. But then my other part was I thought Gallup would take a step forward. I thought, and, and we saw it in this game. If Darius Slay is put on Amari Cooper, which you are likely going to see, Amari Cooper is going to get the best cornerbacks on every team because he is the better wide receiver. There's no doubt in my mind that he is better than Michael Gallup. But Michael Gallup is your better than your average number two wide receiver. And that was always my contention is if they were able to slow down or stop Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup would ball out and I thought would eventually have the better season because he would get a lot of the better matchups. Now, that hasn't really played out for the most part. They, they... Looking at the schedule at the beginning of the year, has obviously not been as tough as we thought it was going to be. At least I thought it was going to be coming in. They've really kind of run away with this. Like, I thought Philly would be tougher for them. They've gotten decimated in in the secondary. I obviously didn't realize Miami was going to be as bad as they were. I thought they'd be bad, but but not that bad. They've got a couple other games, and I mean, the Giants, they've destroyed with Amari Cooper. So he's definitely come through in big matchups. I don't know if defenses will change anything. We say it'll be interesting to see what the Patriots do this weekend. That That is going to be a big game, them against the Patriots. And I do think for the most part, Stephon Gilmore is going to be on Amari Cooper. And again, I would think it's fair to say if that's the case, if he's on him 80 to 90% of the time, you're just not going to see an Amari Cooper day out of him. Now, if he catches a touchdown or something like that, obviously he's going to make your day. But I would expect, if I'm being honest, more of a a day like you saw yesterday against Darius Slay. Because as good as Darius Slay is, Stephon Gilmore is better. And I do think that that's going to be their contention, as you just said, is to take out Amari and Zeke. And B, okay, we're gonna let Gallup and, uh, and, and Cobb beat us and to be honest, that, that might actually be harder against the Patriots because while the Lions' defense is obviously better uh, when, since Matt Patricia's gotten there, all they have is Darius Slay in that secondary. You've got Stephon Gilmore on one side and then one of the McCourty brothers on the other, and they are much better than when Detroit is running out there opposite of Stephon Gilmore. So it'll be a good game. Uh, you know, Again, uh, all, all joking aside, I, I don't think Amari Cooper, though, will have a great game next week. We'll, we'll talk about that more on the Friday podcast though when we preview the games. Um, on the Lions' side... Jeff, uh Jeff Driscoll has himself a game in this one. 15-26, 209 yards, two touchdowns, and adds 51 yards on eight carries and a touchdown as well to come in at QB5 with 27.5 points. Bo Scarborough, formerly of the Dallas Cowboys, comes in with 55 yards on 14 carries and a touchdown in this one. And then Marvin Jones is the best wide receiver on the day with coming in at wide receiver eight with uh, 17 points, two touchdowns, 43 yards, four catches, Kenny Galladay held to just one catch on thirty four for 34 yards. Obviously, tough game for the Lions here. I thought, I mean, they were for the most part in this game. I thought it'd be a little bit closer, but it, it ends up being a one-score game. The big question is... Carry on Johnson obviously has been out for a couple weeks now. We were all thinking Ty Johnson, J.D. McKissick, who's going to be the guy? Then we see Bo Scarbo come in here, and he actually looked fairly decent from, from what I saw look like the best running back they've trotted out there the past couple weeks. So what are your thoughts on Bo Scarbo? Is he worth a late-season ad? maybe – Uh, maybe to block the carry-on Johnson owner who's rocking J.D. McKissick, Ty Johnson now? or Would you even be willing to throw him in a flex spot here, again, as we're getting closer and closer to crunch time with the fantasy playoffs right around the corner?
1: I think I'd like to see more consistency. He's definitely worth worth an add. Um, But, you know, if he doesn't get that touchdown, I don't know, 55 yards— uh you know 55 to 80 yards on 14 carries or so is really going to do it for you. McKissick is still the passing down guy. He caught three passes for 40 yards, had 13 yards rushing. Uh so he ends up giving you about 8 points versus 11 for Scarborough with the you know the difference being a touchdown. Yeah. I don't know how much how much you're counting on that. Um so I, I before I, I don't know if I feel like I would start him because we're pretty well past buys. I think week 12 is the last week yes. for buys and there are a few teams on buy, but I think most people have survived that. Uh, most people have made their injury plans. so he you know anyone that you think is going to get a lion's share of the work as a running back on a team is worth it should be owned. Whether you're starting him or not uh, probably depends on your situation.
0: Gotcha. One more question before we move on from the Lions. How worried are you about Kenny Galladay, knowing that it looks like Matt Stafford's injury is going to keep him out? There's a There were talks yesterday that it might be the rest of the season, so you might be rolling out Jeff Driscoll at quarterback for the rest of the season. I know he caught a touchdown last week, but outside of that, he really didn't do much outside that touchdown. And then obviously this week he gets targeted five times, but just the one catch for 34 yards. Is it time to lower expectations if Matt Stafford does not come back?
1: Well, I think you have to lower the expectations probably for everyone if if Stafford's not coming back just because I don't think they're going to be as high volume an offense. I wouldn't say that he's disproportionately lower than his cohorts. I mean, uh, Amendola, Jones, and Galladay all have the same number of targets. Kenny just wasn't able to get as many and do much with them. But I don't know, you know, how that ends up. Uh, shaking out as we go forward so I you know I think you're you're lowering expectations but I'm not dropping him out of my lineup I like his talent too much uh, for that
0: I, I don't disagree with that always start your studs speaking of QBs who have returned from injury Nick Foles returned for the Jaguars in their game against the Colts yesterday the Jaguars losing this one 13 through 233 Nick Foles goes 33 of 47 for 296 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception to come in as QB 12 with 18.8 points in this one. Uh, Leonard Fournette does struggle as we kind of expected against a really good run defense in the Colts coming in at RB 24 with 9.2 points, 23 yards on eight carries does add 34 yards on seven receptions. DJ Chark still remains the wide receiver one for them though, 104 yards, two touchdowns on eight catches to come in at wide receiver two with 26.4 points. I love that I saw, or I love that Chark balled out here with Foles. A lot of people expecting DeeDee Westbrook to, to ball out with Foles. Me and Dennis both kind of went the opposite ways on Friday's podcast. Me sticking with Chark because I just think he's the more talented wide receiver. Uh, and, and everybody, and, and not just Dennis, but everybody this preseason was talking about the connection that Foles and DeeDee had. Uh, and and then thinking that with Foles coming back, DeeDee would take a step up. What are your thoughts on DeeDee? Are you trusting him over Chark? Or how are you valuing these wide receivers? With Foles coming back,
1: no, I mean, I, I think you still have to stick with Shark. Uh, we, the biggest question with Foles returning was, would they still, would they have chemistry? Would he look for him? And I think fifteen targets versus six for Westbrook indicates he's looking for Shark.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. I'm glad that you said that, because I'm I'm a big chart guy. I, I love him. I love the way he's balled out this year. It's amazing, a guy who, again, I would imagine most people were getting him late, like 13th through the 16th round. I know I got him in the 16th round in a couple of drafts, and he's sitting as a top five wide receiver right now, which is just ridiculous. On the Colts side here, Jacoby Brissett comes in at QB 16 with 16.1 points in this one. 15 to 24, 148 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Does get a touchdown on the ground with 12 yards. Marlon Mack was balling out in this one, running back six with 16.9 points, 109 yards and a touchdown on 14 carries, uh, but then ended up fracturing his hand. We don't know how long he will be out. Uh, I would imagine at least three to four weeks. We know for sure he's not going to play this week, as they do play the Thursday night game against the Houston Texans. Jonathan Williams came in and played very well in his stead, formerly of the uh, New Orleans Saints and, uh, uh, my goodness, Buffalo Bills. 116 yards on 13 carries, did add a 31-yard catch as well. Naheem Hines saw some time back there as well. 11 yards on three catches for a touchdown. uh, And 24 yards on three catches to come in RB20 with 11 points. Uh, And then, um, my goodness, uh, Marcus Johnson at wide receiver with everybody else beat up is the, the wide receiver that stands out. 38 yards, four catches, and a touchdown. We don't know for sure how much longer Hilton was will be out. The, the talks was that it was going to be anywhere from two to four weeks, so we could be sitting here for two more weeks with him out. He could be back this Thursday. We, we don't really know yet. Obviously, as again I mentioned, Marlon Mack, fractured hand, he's likely going to be out for three to four weeks, possibly longer. With that being said, we know the Colts offense can be very explosive. Johnson, Williams, Hines, who are you leaning on here with this Colts offense kind of changing names and faces with these injuries?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a a really good question. You would think based on what we saw from the Texans defense yesterday that um, there's an opportunity there. Yeah. But, you know, without – you know, no one's really standing out week to week. Probably the only safe play is Brissett. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, in a super flex league, I wouldn't even say I would – feel confident him him locked in as top 12 but probably for said it just feels like they have a lot of guys and they're going to find a way to make it happen which uh which they've been doing but I don't know if you're going to have a consistent option um so the the Colts are maybe one of those teams that are better in real life than they are for you in fantasy
0: yeah um for me I've always been a big Jordan Wilkins guy, uh, and obviously he was out of the game yesterday with an ankle injury. If he is uh, allowed – or not allowed to play. If he's playing Thursday – I would probably add him. I would add Jonathan Williams as well. I mean, he did look good against the Jaguars yesterday. Jaguars not great against the run, uh, and they do have a great matchup this week against the Texans. We just saw Baltimore run all over them. They've been known to get run on this season. It would be hard for me to trust either one of them, though. I think right now at this point, it would have to be something where you have, I think the Vikings are on a bye this week, so maybe you have Dalvin Cook, and you don't have anybody else that you can really throw in, and maybe you want to throw a hell Mary pra- uh, player out, out there i would throw either one of them if they're available i would go jonathan williams then wilkins probably Hines above both because i think he gets the most run being there last year was really good for them last year when marlon matt got hurt uh but i'm with so you I don't-
1: wilkins wilkins was out of yes. practice on monday i'm looking at their report okay. so i think that probably uh it says they have not ruled out ty hilton um which is interesting Eric Ebron was also out of practice on Monday, um, as was Mo Cox. Wow! So Jack Doyle might be a good play if everybody else ends up out, but yeah. he had a—he was not really there for that for anything yesterday. So it, this one might be one that you could do some speculative ads. Jonathan Williams might be m- more appealing if you knew he was the only person that yeah. was going to be there
0: well that's why i say i would add him especially if wilkins was already out today if you could add him and knowing it's going to be just him and Hines, because one thing i'll say about Hines, because i loved him coming out of nc state last year Heinz is a great receiving back, but he's not that great of a runner. So I would imagine if, if Wilkins is out, they're going to lean on Williams in the running game. And they do run, they're the third heaviest run team in the NFL right now. So they're going to continue yeah. to do that. That is part of their game plan. They're not just going to move away from that because Mac is injured. So if you know Wilkins is going to be out, I would, I mean, there's no way to know, I guess, because likely the waivers are going to run your Wednesday morning before we know for a fact. I would take a speculative ad on Jonathan Williams. And then if if Wilkins is in, then you just don't play him. But at least you've got him. And if that happens, you can end up playing him. Because, again, against the Texans, it, it was a good matchup last time they played. Texans have been run all over. They'll run the ball with them. I think Williams could be a good play this week. It might be a little risky. Again, we, we I've mentioned it multiple times now. We're getting really close to fantasy playoffs. So it might not be a player you want to take a risk on. But if you're looking for somebody, as you just mentioned to go a minute ago with Bo Scarborough, if you can find a running back is going to get a ton of touches right now, do it because you need those workhorses right now to play uh, and, and get you those fantasy points. So he'd be a guy that I would take, make a speculative add-on now, but don't plan on playing him until we learn more information ahead of that Thursday night game against the Texans. Next up, we're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. The Bills win in this one 37-20. to Josh Allen has himself a huge day here. 21-33, to 256 yards, three touchdowns in the air, adds 56 yards on seven carries and a touchdown on the ground to come in at QB1 with 33.8 points. Devin Singletary struggles for the second week in a row here. 15 carries, 75 yards, just one catch for four yards to come in at RB35 with 6.4 points. John Brown comes in at wide receiver one on the day, 30.2 points, 137 yards on nine catches and two touchdowns. Cole Beasley just does uh, 38 yards on four catches. Dawson Knox catches a touchdown on this one, just two catches though for 32 yards and the touchdown to come in at tight end nine with 10.2 points. Josh Allen, I mean, my goodness, man. The, the, the floor for him, I feel like, is pretty safe, especially with all that rushing ability. But are we worried about Devin Singletary? This is the second week in a row he has had a plus-plus matchup against a team that just cannot stop the run. Had the Browns last week, the Dolphins this week. Both weeks under double-digit points, but is still getting the workload. He is getting the carries. Frank Gore is involved, but not as much as Singletary. Are we worried about Singletary moving into the fantasy playoffs?
1: I just think the, the ceiling for Singletary is somewhat limited because the, the Bills are a team where Josh Allen uh, is always a threat to run for a touchdown or to get the goal line carry, which he did. Gore is still getting too much work. He had 11 carries versus Singletary's 15, which isn't a huge difference. And Gore actually had more targets than Singletary, 2-1. to one. Which is kind of a a problem. You know, I like Singletary and his talent. We've seen him do a lot, uh, to maximize few touches, which is, you know, he's a real upside play, but the stable floor is probably not there, unfortunately, at this point in time, because Gore is getting, is, is not phased out. And because you can't guarantee that he's getting the goal line touches either with, when you have a running quarterback.
0: Yeah, I think for me, he drops more toward a flex range at best, and I mean, his schedule moving forward, the next four games, I would actually say the rest of his schedule is is, is horrible. He's got the Broncos this week, which we know have really improved against the run. Then he has the Cowboys, a very good run defense. The Ravens, a good run defense. The Steelers, a good run defense. And then the Patriots. So, I mean, week 17, he's got the Jets. So, I guess if you play in a 17-week championship game, uh, I mean, you can fire him up then. But I honestly would say he's dropped down to flex territory with the way he's splitting with Frank Gore. And I would be hesitant to even play him moving forward through these next couple games. As you said, he's got great upside. He has that ability to break a play and, make it t- and score a touchdown on any time he touches the ball. With, with his God-given talent and his ability. But, man, those matchups are tough. And, and with the amount of time he is splitting, I'm with you. I, I think he's really got to start to drop. Maybe next year will be the year for him. Uh, if Frank Gore is not there anymore, But that's definitely something to watch. I would be worried about him as well. On the Dolphins side, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 32 of 45, 323 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, to come in at QB 19 with 12.9 points. Kalen Balaj, 9 yards, 9 carries, 1 touchdown, adds 8 yards on 5 catches, to come in at RB 21 with 10.2 points. Devontae Parker continues to impress 135 yards on 7 catches, to come in at wide receiver 10 with 17 points, and the Jakeem Grant. Uh, is the next best wide receiver of note. 32 yards and three catches in this one to come in at wide receiver. Uh, 20 with 11 points. He did score a, I believe it was a punt or kickoff return touchdown uh, in this one as well. Uh, I mean, really, for me, it's Parker. I, I You can't play anybody yep. else on this team. I agree? Disagree?
1: No, I, I totally agree. I mean, Balazs, we were curious to see if he'd get a lot of work, nine carries for nine yards. You know, he gets a touchdown. Uh, you know, he catches yeah. five for eight. Still, I, just, I don't know how consistent that is. Laird was out there a little bit too. Uh, this just isn't the time of the fantasy year where you're wanting to take these gambles. Parker seems to have the only consistent role right now i am curious a little bit might be worth watching alan hearns who seems to have gotten an uptick and they just gave him a contract extension I which it, i thought yeah. was interesting which makes you think maybe he's somebody that they <clears throat> they like or they want to plan for going forward i know people were real speculative can miles gas can get in here i think we've seen in two weeks that's he's not a factor yeah. um it really looks like Belage and laird are splitting but this reminds me of when we had Drake and, and Walton and Ballage. There's not enough consistent good performances to really feel good about that. Miami has had some moments, but they're not consistent enough to me as a team in general to feel really good about having to start and rely on guys as we're going into these these tougher uh end matchups.
0: Yeah, as I mentioned, for me, it's just Parker wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. Outside of that, I'm not playing anybody on this team, uh, avoiding them all. We'll be interested to see what they do when the NFL draft rolls around, because uh, I think Parker has really acquitted himself well and shows that he can be at least a, a top wide receiver for the team, a guy who a lot of people had given up on coming into this year. So I'm, I'm glad that he's finally been able to turn it around. We're going to jump in and talk about your team now and the Denver Broncos who suffered a, a heartbreaking defeat in this one, losing 23-27 to 27 to the Minnesota Vikings. Brandon Allen comes in 17-39, 240 yards, one touchdown, and one interception to come in at QB 17 with 14.4 points. Phillip Lindsey, running back 28 with 8.5 points, 67 yards on 16 carries, uh, has just eight yards on two catches, and then Cortland Sutton, the best wide receiver on the day, just continues to be a wide receiver one. 113 yards, 5 catches, wide receiver 11, 16.3 yards, and also showed that he can throw bombs as well through a nice pass. Just laid it right on Tim Patrick, who who finished with 77 yards on 4 catches. I mean... Sutton and Lindsay, is that really all we can trust moving forward? I mean, I had high hopes for Deshaun Hamilton. I don't even know what's happened to him. I I just for me, I think if I'm yeah. if I'm playing anybody for them, it's just it's gotta be Sutton and Lindsay, and that's it.
1: Yeah, based on what I was watching of player rotations, it appeared to me that Hamilton might not even be wide receiver three anymore with Tim Patrick uh, coming back, it looked like they put in Deontay Spencer and Fred Brown ahead of Deshaun Hamilton, which has been very curious. You know, Hamilton, to me, looked like he was looking like the better receiver toward the end of last year, but just really has shown nothing. Um, I would say sneaky appeal for Noah Fant. Um, Okay. With ever since Sanders was gone, the targets have upticked. He got 11 targets yesterday. Um, he's still raw and he still, I think, needs to grow a little bit, but four catches for 60 yards at a position where you know, you have some devastating floors is not too bad. And he has consistently been first or second in targets since Emmanuel Sanders uh, got traded. So he appears to be kind of the most reliable number two in the passing game. You know, what that passing game looks like going forward, that's a little tougher to say. Brandon Allen had some interesting moments. That interception he made was killer uh, at the end of the half where Denver could have, you know, gone up even further, kind of threw one away in the red zone. Was looking for Fant there, was looking for him a lot at the end of the game, too. Um, You know, not a great completion percentage. They have a tough uh, road ahead. They're at Buffalo this next week. Obviously not a great matchup for pass catchers. Yeah. Uh, And then, you know, Chiefs. uh, They still have Chiefs, Chargers, Texans, uh, and Raiders. So, I mean, it's going to be some interesting... Some at some point in time, you figure Locke is going to get activated to the active roster. And based on what we've seen, probably they're going to play him at some point. Who even knows what the passing game is going to look like then? Um, so I, I like the team. They, I like some of the young talent. I thought they did some really good things at times. It was a kind of a crushing second half, but I think it's hard to be too disappointed in that considering that realistically with how this season has gone the bigger shock should have been them up 20 to nothing at halftime
0: yeah yeah i like the i like the fan call I, I was very persistent in my my love for him uh, during the draft season i had him as my tight end one the entire time i know everybody was big on hawkinson uh because he was the more complete and ready uh pro tight end to come in play but i think Fant and his athleticism is just better than hawkinson uh, I, I said from the beginning i think Fant would have a uh, Eventually, the, the better career when it came to the offensive side of the NFL because he is just a, I mean, he is raw, as you mentioned, but he is extremely talented and really gifted and I, I hope that he continues to grow. I'm with you. I would love to see what happens with Locke if he's, if he's eventually thrown out there because I do think he has a lot of talent as well and I'm interested to see what Sutton does against White this week because So far, he has barely been stopped, and White, I think, would probably be one of the best players that he has played this year. I'm going to pull up their schedule really quick, and so Raiders, Bears, uh, Bears have got a pretty good secondary, as do the Packers, Jags, I don't know, I don't think Ramsey was playing in that one, that might have been when he was already out, so... Definitely one of the better matchups he's going to have so far this year. I'm interested to see what he can do against him on the Vikings side. Kirk Cousins, 29 and 35, 319 yards and three touchdowns to come in QB eight with 24.9 24.9 points. Been balling out ever since I traded him. So thanks a lot for that, Kirk. Uh, Dalvin Cook has, is humanized a little bit in this one. Outside of his touchdown, does not have a great day. RB 13 with 14.2 points, 26 yards on 11 carries, and a touchdown does add 31 yards on 5 catches. Stefan Diggs did everything I said he wasn't this week and is working toward trying to get me pied in the face. 121 yards on five catches and a touchdown to come in at wide receiver five with 20.6 points. Kyle Rudolph continues his hot streak of late. Tied in four with 15.2 points. 67 yards, five catches and a touchdown. And Irv Smith catches a touchdown as well for three catches and 20 yards. I mean, I... I really thought Diggs was going to struggle in this one, getting uh, the Chris Harris matchup. Harris has done a great job of shutting down wide receivers uh, all season long. I don't believe he caught the touchdown on Harris, but regardless – Huge game for Diggs uh, is really possibly going to make me end up losing this pie bet, which I am not looking forward to. Kyle Rudolph, though, we talked about him a little bit a couple weeks ago, the kind of causation, correlation between him and Adam Thielen. His uh, targets and everything have uptick with Adam Thielen out. Again, they do go on a bye this week. If Thielen doesn't come out and play outside the bye, adding Rudolph in a weak tight end landscape until Thielen comes back, do you think he has any value once Thielen does come back?
1: that's a good question they've uh, you know the big knock seemed to be both last year and then um for the first part of this year cousins didn't really seem to have any uh focus on tight ends wasn't really throwing to tight ends with Thielen out they've not only gone to tight ends but we've seen rudolph and irv smith getting involved um so you know, as long as I think Thielen's out, both those guys have some appeal. The question is, when Thielen comes back, do they continue to use tight ends? And if so, are they continuing to split limited, more limited targets among the two tight ends? Because it really seemed like uh, in the first part of the game when he was targeting tight ends, he was going at Smith and that was later in the game that he went to Rudolph, you know, and the difference in targets between them wasn't that great. Smith got three, Rudolph got five, Um, you know, BC Johnson actually got nine targets. So they were trying to get him involved. Dalvin Cook, uh, you know, we've seen early part of the season he was a much bigger part of the passing game than he seems to have been of late. You know, is that impacting the tight end? I think Minnesota has a lot of weapons, and the question is, what are they going to choose to use, Um, you know, especially when you get an Adam Thielen back? and. How much of this is being impacted by the fact the last couple of weeks, people have figured out a way to kind of bottle up the running game. If you remember earlier in the season, Dalvin Cook was running wild and they weren't even throwing that much. I think week one, you know, Kirk Cousins went through for 98 yards. Yeah. So there's a lot of factors that feel like they're in play here. You know, Rudolph's a good tight end. He was. A, a top ten finisher last year all season, all told, but I don't know if he was a guy last year that at any point in time you were like, thank God Rudolph is my tight end. And it might be like that going down the stretch this season. But we've, we've talked about the, you know, are, there's probably only two or three guys you feel really great about. I'm yeah. sure we'll, we'll talk about it later. Darren Waller started hot but hasn't been incredible of late. Austin Hooper was great, got hurt. You know, a lot of people were – Psyched about Gerald Everett, and you had a game last night where they're missing two of their three great receivers, and he does nothing. Yeah. So I, I just there's so many so many wild swings. Um, you know, Rudolph is not an unreasonable possibility, but you're just not seeing that he has a consistent enough target share. And with all the other options there, I don't know if you would feel good that he's somebody that they're going to feel like they have to get involved.
0: Yeah, speaking of another tight end who a lot of people had, uh well, they had high hopes of this guy coming in and has had a couple good games, but just doesn't seem like he's that involved in the offense. That's Jared Cook and the New Orleans Saints. The Saints come away with a victory against the Bucks in this one. 34 to 17. Drew Brees 28 of 35, 228 yards and three touchdowns to come into QB 10 with 21.1 points. Alvin Kamara has a big bounce back day here. RB 9, 16.2 points, 75 yards on 13 carries. Still has not broken 100 yards rushing yet this season. Does add 47 yards on 10 catches, again, to come in at RB9 with 16.2 points. Michael Thomas continues to be, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in the league right now. Wide receiver for 21.4 points, 114 yards, and a touchdown on 8 catches. And then Jared Cook, as I mentioned, does catch a touchdown in this one, but just gets 2 targets. Does catch both of them, 33 yards and a touchdown. Tight end ten on uh, tight end eight with ten point three points. Uh, we've already kind of talked about Cook multiple times on, on. You can't really trust him. I really feel like he falls in that category. What you were just talking about with Kyle Rudolph. Uh, so I don't really want to go into him. There's really not much to break down on the Saints side here. You know you're starting Thomas. You know you're starting Kamara every single week. What I am interested to get out of you is is much like earlier when we talked about. Uh, I don't even remember what team we didn't really talk about anything fantasy relevant. Um. Oh, it was the, it was the Cowboys. Uh, with with uh, with what Michael Thomas has been doing, NFL wise, do you think he has, or what would you give his percentage shot at breaking Marvin Harrison's single season reception record?
1: Do you remember what the record is?
0: I don't. I want to say it's one hundred and forty four catches. I will look that up if you will allow me to stall for a minute, and you can talk about how great yeah. Michael Thomas is.
1: I mean, really. Uh, Thomas and Kamara really seem to be uh, the focus, especially when Breeze is in. I mean, you saw yesterday 11 for Thomas, 10 for Kamara. Next closest guy is Ted Ginn with four. Uh, So, you know, they've been peppering him with targets. He's been very effective. You know, some people uh, raised a little bit of an eyebrow when he signed that massive contract to become the highest paid receiver. But he's looked like he's worth it. And he looked like he's thriving no matter who his quarterback is, no matter who they're playing. He's been probably one of the most matchup-proof receivers. And the the, the other thing that's benefiting him is while the Saints are 8-2 and and may lock up their division pretty easily, the NFC has such a cream of the crop at the top. You know, you have two 8-win teams in the north. You have two 8-plus-win teams in the west. I think that they're, they're, no one in the NFC is running away and no one is going to be able to take games where they rest their starters. I don't think anyone's going to be out of it. The Saints feel like a team that are going to have to go to the end of the season pushing to get that bye week um, if they want to get that. So I think that might be a benefit too. And I would say I think Thomas has a real reasonable shot to do it.
0: Yeah. All right, so the record was 143. I was off by one. He is on pace right now for 150 receptions. So through 11 weeks now, he's obviously already had his bye week. and bye week nine, he has 94 catches. Out of the 11 weeks, five of them he has gone single-digit catches. And on those single-digit catches, only one of them was like – He had 10, 10, 5, and then 9, 11, 8, 9, 11, 13, 8. So even in the single digit reception ones, he was like right at 9 and 8 outside of the one game uh, where he played uh, at Seattle. He caught 5, he he still caught 5 balls against Seattle. So 94 catches right now, still 6 weeks left to go. Is on pace for whatever that whatever that stands not what it stands for, but for whatever that means to you. He is on pace for 150, but the record is 143. So, what would you give his chances? Higher than 50 percent, 60 percent? What do you think? But if he if he uh, his chances on breaking it
1: right now, I'd say probably 65 percent. Again, I like what it. I think's really working in their favor is he's getting consistent work and yeah. they're. They're not likely to have to. They're not likely to have a week where they rest their starters.
0: Yeah, that, um, that, that's and even if be the Breeze
1: part. something was to happen to Breeze, we saw that happen middle of the season. Something happened to Breeze. Bridgewater went in. Yeah, Michael Thomas relatively unaffected.
0: Yeah, that's a, it's interesting too because I don't know how many people. Uh, remember this, but he was like on pace to break it last year too. I think it was like through week seven or eight, and then he just fell off a cliff toward the back half of last year. And so the fact that he's doing it again this year, I hope he gets it. I mean, former not just because he he's a, a former Ohio State Buckeye, but he just seems to be a phenomenal kid. Really good wide receiver. I'd love to see him break the record and and see that happen <clears throat> on TV. My goodness, oh, my throat is killing me. On the Buccaneers' side here, Jameis Winston, QB thirteen, with uh thir uh, eighteen point eight points in this one goes 30 of 51 313 yards, two touchdowns, four interceptions. Does that 23 yards on the ga- ground. Ronald Jones does absolutely nothing in this one. RB 57, 2.4 points, 13 yards on four carries uh and does get you one yard on two catches. Just there was no running game whatsoever here against the Saints. They do have one of the best better rushing defenses in the league. Uh, Mike Evans, who I picked to be uh, my pie bet winner this week, uh, just 69 yards on four catches to come in at wide receiver 30 with 8.9 points. Chris Godwin gets in the end zone, comes in at wide receiver 16 with 12.2 points in this one, 47 yards on three catches and a touchdown. And Cameron Brake continues to be the tight end of notice here in Tampa Bay. Tight end six, 12.3 points, 73 yards on 10 catches. Uh, I mean... Evans, I don't really want to get into him because he, I really feel like he's going to cost me getting pied in the face this week as I have brought up multiple times. It's really going to bother me. Chris Godwin, though, does find the end zone, uh, kind of boost his stats up. <clears throat> Excuse me. What about Cameron Brait? Uh We've obviously, a lot of people had very high hopes of O.J. Howard being the tight end of record here. I've said multiple times, Bruce Arians' offense has never really used a tight end. We've seen Cameron Brate have a great connection with Winston, though. Does he fall in that category of, like, the Rudolph and uh, Jared Cook uh, for you? Would you be willing to take a shot on him or no?
1: I think so, based on what we're seeing. You know, it's – I don't know if it was just because this game was rough and Winston was struggling so much, but Cameron Bright, 14 targets. I know we've talked about the big impediment uh, to tight end in the Arians' offenses. They don't look for him. Maybe they just don't want to look for OJ Howard, although Howard you know had his one target that he managed to spectacularly turn over into points <laughs> for the other team, which isn't helping his cause. but 14 targets he had, you know many more than the next closest, which was Evans with eight. And I'm also starting to get a little concerned about you know Chris Gogman finishing the year as a wide receiver one. We've seen him take a back seat a number of weeks in a row. Now, and at six targets, he had the same number of targets as Scotty Miller. Um, You're kind of seeing, you know, before he seemed to be like a real focal point in the offense. I don't know if it's just what the defense uh, is doing or, um, you know, what's going on. But uh, I'm starting to have a, a little bit of concerns, you know, where Godwin might have helped carry you to a really strong start in your fantasy season um, it's reasonable to wonder what you're going to see from him going through the fantasy playoffs.
0: Yeah, it, it it has been, especially with the way that Evans has come on here. It really seemed like, obviously, we talked about it a little bit here and there. Would Godwin end up being the better wide receiver than Evans? And then really the past, I would say, I think it's been the past four weeks outside of, of yesterday's game, Evans had just been on fire. Godwin has said, He's been having good games, but really he's been kept out of the end zone where it seems like Evans was getting in and scoring a lot of touchdowns. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Godwin because it really seemed like up until, I would even almost say last week, it it really seemed like both were going to finish as wide receiver ones, and that, that could change moving forward. I was trying to see. Well, and with a, the
1: inconsistency of both, you might end up seeing, yeah. you know, neither of them. They oh, might end up like insane. in the 11 to 13 range, you know, just tantalizingly close because Evans, we've already seen the the radical swings, but Godwin had seemed like a more steady case and they have an interesting schedule to finish out. They get the Falcons about to bring out. This next week, they get the Falcons twice, which you might've looked at and said, Hey, that's great, yeah. But what Falcons are you going to get? Because this new Falcons have been destroying people, and if Jameis Winston gets as sloppy as mm-hmm. Kyle Allen, you know, it could crush everyone. Uh, they're just they're a tough team. You know, I know you were excited about Ronald Jones. It's been yeah. weird to see his usage too. Uh, you know, he had twice as many targets and, and more carries, but they they you know only eight carries.
0: Yeah, altogether. Total. Yeah.
1: I know they got they got down early, and so if that happens again, I think we've seen running, you know, just becomes a total afterthought and Jones isn't consistent enough in the passing game to overcome that either, especially with Daria Ogamale um, you know, usually being a more of a passing down weapon.
0: Yeah. Alright, right, the last game for us today will be the New York Jets and the Washington Redskins. The Jets win this one 34-17. Sam Darnold, 19-30, 293 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception to come in at QB7 with 26.4 points. Le'Veon Bell has a good game in this one, 59 yards and a touchdown on 18 carries, adds 33 yards on two catches to come in at RB8 with 16.2 points. Jamison Crowder continues to be the best wide receiver when Sam Darnold is on the field. Comes in at wide receiver 12 with 16.1 points, 76 yards, a touchdown on five catches. Uh, And and then Ryan Griffin, I think, continues to be a tight end one when Sam Darnold is out there as well. Does finish the week as tight end one with 19.4 points, 109 yards on one touchdown and five catches. Uh, For me, Bell obviously he had a good game this week. It was a really plus-plus matchup against the Skins. He's got to be in your lineup, but I think we've talked about it before. He really kind of has fallen to that RB2 range for me. But what about Crowder and Griffin? Low-end RB2 for Bell. I I agree with you on that, 100% on that with Bell. For me, though, I think Crowder and Griffin, when Darnold is on the field, have clearly moved themselves into needing to be in your lineup every single week. Griffin Mm. as a tight end and Crowder as a flex play. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I'd almost say Crowder is feeling like a low-end wide receiver too. Um, He's getting a lot of targets. He's making the most of it. Um, I've liked what I've seen, and Griffin, especially now that we don't have Herndon even hanging around the situation, seems to have gone back to being uh, a guy they like and that they're they're making the most of.
0: On Washington's side here, Haskins uh, continues to be the starter for them, has a – Probably his best game that we've seen so far, though. That's probably not saying much with the, how bad the Jets' defense has been this year. 19-35, 214 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Uh Does add five yards on the ground to come in at QB 14 with 18.1 points. Darius Geis returns to the lineup, and... Does get most of his points off the touchdown there, but I thought looked really good being out there. Takes the one catch for 45 yards and a touchdown. Does add 24 yards on seven carries to come in at RB 14 with 13.4 points. And Terry McLaurin, uh, 69 yards on three catches in this one to come in at wide receiver 33 with 8.4 points. Uh, guys looked good. I-, I would be a little bit hesitant. I- I want him to be an RB2 or flex territory, and that that's the question I want to ask you, but I'm also worried about as much as they used Adrian Peterson. So what are your thoughts on Geis, and we'll, we'll touch on McLaurin before we close out the podcast.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't even say Geis looked good. I would say he got a lucky play uh, at a point in time when the Jets had given up. They were up 34-3, and they essentially were just happy and had won the game. So you saw a couple of garbage time touchdowns that really make Dwayne Haskins day look more respectable than it was. And one pass for 45 yard touchdown, you know, at the end spruces up what was otherwise a less than pedestrian day. He had fewer carries only 24 yards rushing hadn't really shown any pop or anything. Washington's not a good team. They don't have a good line. And this was probably one of the better matchups they're going to get to end the season. So, I, I guess is not a guy based on anything I've seen yesterday that I'm feeling comfortable playing. Uh, you know, yeah. there were three running backs that got used. He doesn't have a consistent share. He got out targeted by Adrian Peterson in the passing game, which feels absurd. Plus Smallwood was out there you'd have to see a much more consistent share in a much more consistent offense before you'd feel good playing him in the fantasy playoffs.
0: I agree with you on that. He He's a guy that obviously when he came out in the draft last year with, with Barkley, I thought he was obviously Barkley was the best, but I thought guys was, was, clearly right below him. I thought those two kind of separated the tier. Nick Chubb uh, was probably my biggest miss in that class. I had him ranked about four. I had Sony Michelle above him. Obviously, Nick Chubb has been phenomenal. Thank God for that, too, with him going to the Browns. But a guy's phenomenally talented, but I'm with you. I think you have to wait until he's given more of the run, which I don't think is going to happen this year. Adrian Peterson, after all the... The kind of hoopla and everything that went on with him getting benched in that week one game. He has so much respect, it seems, in that that locker room. I can't imagine they sit him and play guys full time. So I, I would imagine this year you're you're likely not going to get a chance to play guys that much. Uh, which leads me into Terry McLaurin as well. Obviously, beginning part of the season with Case Keenan was just phenomenal. Looked like the best wide receiver rookie wide receiver uh coming out, even with everything DK Metcalf was doing. I don't want to say it's all on Haskins, but he's just not looked like the same player with Haskins out there. Is it time to finally fade McLaurin out of your lineup?
1: Yeah, I would say Washington's actually possibly the worst team for fantasy. Um, You know, you can make an argument that Cincinnati, you can no longer really play any of their passing assets, but... I like Terry McLaurin as a talent in dynasty. I'm happy to have him, to scoop him up, and to be holding him. But at this point in time, as you get into a, a point in the fantasy season where it's win or go home, he's not somebody you can bet on. And it is because of his quarterback, because of his offense. You know, The best thing for Washington as a football team and Dwayne Haskins as a football product is to roll out there and go through your lumps and play because that's how you get better but that's the worst thing for us as fantasy owners at this point in the season.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. It, it sucks too, because he, he obviously, again, as I mentioned, looked so good earlier in the year, looked like the best wide rookie wide receiver. Uh, and has just really kind of falling off a cliff. I would say that's more of, it could be some of the, the the change as well in the offensive game plans. We know Jay Gruden was not afraid to throw it. uh, Callahan has come in and really wanted to to base the team off the run, so that could be hurting him as well. But it is definitely time to pull him out of your lineup. So, Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. I I look forward to hopefully talking to you tomorrow. I know we got some scheduling stuff, so hopefully we'll be able to do the podcast tomorrow. If not, I look forward to talking to you and Tony on Thursday about some Vampire League stuff uh, and some tanking talk. Enjoy the Monday night game tonight in Estadio Azteca in Mexico should be a good one between the Chiefs and the Chargers
1: yeah I'm rooting for both teams to lose but we'll <laughs> see prepare for glory I don't know if you got your popcorn on you got your on ready I came out the line ready and he's hit the end for an unbelievable touchdown I would be honored
0: no one up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only oh, tackle in the 40-year-old. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> <laughs> I can.